jumper on the way. Good! Tyus Battle nails the three! Dungey leaps and into the end zone for Dungey. A touchdown! If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Powered for Soaring through the air! High-flying Slovakian! Screen pass here, he'll get one. And he stays alive, and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat, he'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse! And for Syracuse, party time. The upset, pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration, step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Welcome in, welcome aboard a Friday edition of Orange Nation. We're wrapping up your week here on ESPN Radio. Seth Goldberg, Stephen Fonte with you up until 2 o'clock. Well, we'll talk some Final Four. We'll talk some basketball coming up here to start the show. Uh, Steve, also, and, and this is amazing to me, the 30th anniversary of Major League. And and so, no, I did not see it in theaters, but it is one of my favorite movies. Uh, and just a taste of, of what we might have to come later. All right, you guys, let's listen up. We won a game yesterday. And if we win one today, that's two in a row. We win one tomorrow... That's called a winning streak. It has happened before. So let's see some hustle. Let's jack it up a little. I got a feeling things are about to turn around for us. And there you go. Did you have to drop in that line about, well, I didn't see it in theaters. Like, did you have to throw that in? I don't know. We had a caller yesterday say that say that he was older than I was. So, I mean, Did, I did you have to throw that in? <laughs> like, we know. You're young. We got it. Thank you for reminding me. It's still one of my favorite movies. It, it is a great be, movie. It might be my favorite movie. For what it's worth, Seth, I didn't see it in theaters either. I, I would imagine. But I've seen it many times since then. I would then. imagine you, you didn't see it in theaters. I think I did this weird thing, and we'll talk about this more later. I think I did this weird thing where I saw the second one first, somehow. I don't know how I managed to do that, but I think. It's not a good strategy. Yeah, it was weird. Didn't make sense. Uh, why don't we start off, though, with the final four? And we talked yesterday about how uh, there aren't all, there, all that many enticing... Uh, storylines right there's there's only so much interesting and and really to me the the interesting storyline is virginia and that becomes more interesting should they make it uh to monday night however the game should be pretty good tomorrow and and if you're a basketball fan i feel like you should enjoy these games i'm curious which one are you kind of looking forward to more Which, which game are you looking at closer here I'll be honest with you, and and I know that Auburn has kind of defied the odds all the way, you know, to get here, and they they've certainly earned their right to be here. I mean, the Tigers beat you know Kansas, UNC, and Kentucky on the road to the Final Four. I mean, they had blue arguably blood, blue blood, blue blood, arguably the toughest road to the Final Four. So Auburn deserves to be here. With that being said, I think Virginia wins the game, and I'm going to say Virginia wins the game comfortably. Auburn is so reliant on three-point shooting. Uh, they're third in the country in makes per game from behind the arc, 11 and a half. And since the start of the ACC tournament, that number is up around 13 makes per game, just a shade under 13 makes per game. They're shooting 40% from three in the postseason. They've been so reliant on threes. And the way that Virginia plays defense 
We've seen it throughout the year. You don't get all that many good looks exactly. against that defense. So I think Virginia is going to beat Auburn and and beat them relatively easily. And when I say relatively easily, I'm going to say by a couple of possessions. I don't think this is going to come down to one play. I think Virginia wins by you know eight or more points, something like that. So with that being said... I'm more looking forward to the Texas Tech-Michigan State game. I think that has the potential to be a great game. And you look at what Texas Tech has done defensively, what they did against Michigan, and they held the Wolverines to their lowest point total in NCAA tournament history. And then They, they take didn't on, make a three until a walk-on at it, the end of the game. Unbelievable. And then they take on a Gonzaga team that had led the nation in scoring and was averaging, you know, averaging close to 90 points per game, high 80s, and for the most part... Uh, you know, they stifled that Gonzaga offense. So I'm really curious. I think you've got two really good teams in Texas Tech and Michigan State. And as we discussed yesterday, Texas Tech doesn't have the marquee name. Um, You would expect Texas Tech to be maybe in the football Final Four before they're in the basketball Final Four. Um, Maybe. But, I mean, you know, the, the Big 12 outside of Kansas, isn't really known for putting you know basketball teams exactly. on this stage. But in, in football, you can see it happen. Um, but what Chris Beard has done there and the way they play defense, and then you you know add Jared Culver on top of it, uh, one of the best players in the country, uh, no doubt about that. And you've got maybe the best point guard in the country on Michigan State um, in Cassius Winston. I, I think that has the potential to be a fantastic game that goes right down to the wire. So, uh, a long answer to a short question, Texas Tech-Michigan State's the game that I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, I am too. Uh, that's the one that I, I am more interested in. I you know, Look, I'm going to watch the Virginia game because I think that they are just the best team in the country, and um, I, you know, I, I know I did this when you were out, you know, prior to the tournament, when you were heading out to Salt Lake City. I'm a big, like, nobody cares about your bracket person, um, but here's the one place that I'll mention mine. I picked Virginia to win the whole thing at the start of this tournament. Like, I, I put them in that champions circle at, at the beginning of this thing. So I thought that they were kind of the team that was best equipped to go win this, you know, three weeks ago. And so I think that they still are that team. The question becomes, you know, is is the quote-unquote, is the stage too big? And, and how does this work? And, and how do things go now that they are in the Final Four for the first time in 30 years and Tony Bennett finally got over that hump and made it to the final weekend? Um, so I'll be watching that game for sure. I'll be keeping an eye on it and seeing how that breaks down. But to your point, the Michigan State-Texas Tech game should be better. And that's because I think that the gap between those two teams is smaller than the gap between Virginia and Auburn. And that Auburn has been on such a hot streak, such a heater for the last three, four weeks. Uh, And they ran through the SEC tournament, and they've run through the NCAA tournament to get to this Final Four. You just don't know how much longer that that can be sustainable. Because this isn't the team they were all year. If this is the team they were all year, they would have stayed in the top 10 where they were ranked preseason. They wouldn't have fallen off all season long. They wouldn't have lost to NC State. This isn't the team they were all year long. That doesn't mean that it's not the team they are right now and they've been really hot and they've looked really good. I just don't know how long that continues. And and I think that it was interesting to see some of the comments yesterday from Bruce Pearl. But he said... And the comment that I saw that was making the rounds was, hey, we have to play at Virginia's pace. We can't speed up Virginia. And that's a really interesting approach because I think that what you have to do against Virginia is try to speed them up. Right? I don't think you want to play at their pace because if you play at their pace, they're going to beat you. I think you certainly want to beat them down the floor because right. that's probably your best chance to get good looks against that defense is to do it in transition in unsettled situations. I'll, I'll say this about Auburn. Um, I, I did not expect them to beat Kentucky. You lose a, a, a player that, you know, the caliber of Chuma Okiki the way that they did. 
And, and then to bounce back against a, a team that had just throttled them the month before. I mean, they played Kentucky uh, a month prior, and and they lost 80-53. to 53. And to do that without Okiki, and, and you know, I— the only explanation I can give, not that Kentucky took them lightly, but the only explanation I can give is that, you know, they're obviously red hot. Um, there was, you know, they were playing on emotion, having lost him, you know, like a day and a day and a half prior, and there was the short turnaround for everyone involved. Now they were familiar with each other. Did Kentucky relax a little bit? Maybe. I mean, I, I was guilty of it. I, I didn't think that that was even going to be a game. The I fact that he was out, the fact that Kentucky, you know, was was had proven during the regular season to be to to be the better team against Auburn, and you just felt like, well, their, their luck's going to run out. To me, though, there is a big difference between playing on emotion and and being able to turn around a day and a half later and catching a team by surprise, and then having to do it a week later when you've had a chance to dissect strengths and weaknesses. And again, Kentucky was familiar with Auburn, but not that particular Auburn team. They they hadn't played you know Auburn since they they turned into this this juggernaut since the start of the SEC tournament. So, um, I and, and wouldn't you think that Virginia would be like as as up as possible? Or, or like as alert as focused, as po- yeah, yeah, like absolutely. as alert and as focused that, and that's as my, possible. And that's my on, point. You know, on on stopping this, and and they know what Auburn has done offensively over the last three four weeks. They know what what kind of a run Auburn has been on, and I would imagine that they look at that as a challenge. Like, hey, this defense is known as the best defense in the country. Can they beat it? Right? Can 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 they find a way to shut down this offense that has been just so red hot? And I would imagine that Virginia and that team and those players take that as such a challenge. Given given what we've seen from them over the last two three years, I I imagine that's a challenge they embrace. Right and not not one that they look at and say, well, we're going to have to score a bunch today. Like and, no, they they looked at Duke this year and said, all right, let's let's keep him to seventy something points and and see if we can stick in it. And I think that especially with Okiki out, the 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 focus has to be on Jared Harper. And, and I I threw this out on Monday. I said, you know, he reminds me so much of Johnny Flynn. I, I was watching that game against Kentucky, and I just I was having flashbacks to what Johnny Flynn used to do. Um, the thing with Virginia is th- they have options for various guys who could guard him. Right, so it's it's not like if if he's able to, you know, to to break down one guy that that they have nobody else to throw at him. They've got two or three guys I think that you would feel comfortable putting on Jared Harper and trying to slow him down. So, I really think I, I believe the line's like five and a half. Last I saw, I, I feel very strongly that that Virginia is going to win this game by more than that. Like I I think they're going to win this game comfortably. The Auburn's only chance. Is to just shoot the ball very well from the outside. And I think in my also, opinion. and I think in in a way, you also have to acknowledge, and and maybe m- maybe you disagree with me. I think you have to acknowledge that at least in the final four, at least in the first round of these games, shooting numbers typically go down when the games move to the football stadiums. Oh, absolutely. So shooting shooting numbers typically go down when when you move these games uh, outside of normal basketball arenas and get these guys into football arenas. And, and the line is four and a, uh, five and a half. Five and a half on yeah. that on that game tomorrow. Yeah, and I just I, I think that you know you look at especially the defensive options they have. So they've got DeAndre Hunter, but you know they could put. Um, you know, Kihei Clark on him, and and he's more Jared Harper's size. Um, and if if for whatever, and he's he's just as fast too. And if for whatever reason Harper's able to get by Clark, then you could put 
you know, DeAndre Hunter on him. I, I just and you've got the you know the long athleticism of of Hunter. I, I just I think Harper's going to have a tough time doing what he's done throughout the postseason against this particular Virginia team. Um, so I I think you know major advantage to the Virginia Cavaliers. Yeah, I'm with you there. I, I think that Virginia's got an, got an edge here. And, and and I should say that you know you threw out that that you picked Virginia to to win your national title. Not that anybody cares about my bracket either. I, I'll I'll admit. Okay, so I have several people who asked me to. To do different pools. So, uh, did you? I do several pools, and I yeah, you know, I pick different teams to win it. I will say this though: the first one that I did, which is my, I look at that as the one that you know I truly think is going to happen. I did pick Virginia to win it all, and then I picked one that Duke won it all, and then I picked one that Gonzaga won it all. Oh, just so you're I mixed the worst. it up. I know. I, I knew you were going to frown you're on that. You're the worst. But the one that I did first that I felt like, all right, this is my bracket. I had Virginia winning it all. I I thought going in. Not that they were the best team. I felt like Duke was the most talented team and the best team. We discussed this yesterday. But I felt like, you know, Virginia, I thought, was the was the the one that I felt the best about making it to the Final Four. I looked at their bracket, and we had this conversation about between Virginia, Duke, and North Carolina. Who was the most upset-proof? And I said, you know, as strange as it may sound, even though they lost to the 16 last year, I felt like Virginia, of those three, was the one going into the postseason that was most upset-proof because of the way they play defense. Um, and here they are in the Final Four, and they're the favorites to win the whole thing. You know we're tied in the office bowl? I did know that, yes. That was the one I picked in Zagan. That was the, third, that was the third one I did. <laughs> it is. I don't know why you did that. It, it was free money. I mean, it's the best way to go, right? You don't know why I did what? You put your best bracket in that one. You didn't have to pay anything, and, and oh, top I, three no, just I gets money. Well, Free because money. I I got around. It was one of those like you you were the third one who contacted me, so I was gotcha. like, all right, I got to gotcha. I got to mix it up, you know. So I went with I went with Gonzaga. I did multiple brackets. I put the same bracket in everyone. Good for you. That's just I see. I did it because I would lose track. I did it because I I didn't have to follow like four different brackets. So I'm in three pools. I'm in I'm in first place in one of them. But I have no Final Four teams left. Or no, I take <laughs> that's that back. Impressive. I take that that's back. That's impressive. I, I take that back. I had Virginia, but I don't have them winning anymore. So I have I, I can't gain any more points. But I'm in first place in one pool. I'm uh, tied for second in this one with you. And then uh, the other one, I'm in. If Virginia wins the whole thing, I think I finish like second or third. So nice. I'm I'm in the mix in all three. Imagine if you just put the the I best know. bracket in the in I all know. of them, and, and you could have placed in all of them. But I hey. know. Uh, why don't we take a time out? We'll, we'll dive into that Albert, uh, that uh, Texas Tech-Michigan State game a little bit more when we come back here on Orange Nation. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Seth Goldberg, Stephen Fonte with you here on Orange Nation. We go up until 2 o'clock. We're going to get to sports movies and Major League coming up in a little bit. But uh, continuing to talk about the Final Four and 315-437-7644 is the telephone number. We talked a lot about the Virginia game, and, and I think we both agree that's probably the uh, the one that is more likely to be a little lopsided uh, <laughs> or the one that is going to be a little bit of a, a wider margin. The, the other game, the other side of the bracket, Michigan State and Texas Tech, I think, it, Steve, I think it has the potential to be a really good game. Um, and I feel like that's kind of how the Final Four typically goes. You get, like, one game that's really good and one that's just kind of, like, whatever and, and not that great. I think that the Texas Tech-Michigan State game has the possibility to be really good because I feel like these teams are more evenly matched. You know, Texas Tech, conference champion, uh, played really well throughout the year in the Big 12. Michigan State... Uh, 
probably the best two seed. I think that a lot of people thought that they were, um, and and you look at that team, and it's and it's really good, and they've got the All American in, in Cassius Winston, and and Winston and Culver going at each other should be a lot of fun. Uh, that game should be pretty good. I think it's going to be a great game, and, it, and and it's interesting too because if you if you go by you know various categories, right, and you say like who's got the edge in coaching in this matchup, right? It's it's certainly Tom Izzo. Uh, who's got the advantage in the front court or on the backboards? It's Michigan State. Who's got the advantage in the backcourt? And as much as I like Jared Culver, it's hard to, to vote against Cassius Winston. So you could make the case that Michigan State has the better backcourt, the better frontcourt, the better coach, um, you know, the, 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 the better program in terms of tradition. Um, they have more experience in games like this. They have so many of the check marks if you go down the list. Yet something tells me this is going to be a one possession game and it's going to go right down to the wire. And I think it, you know, it goes back to the way Texas Tech plays defense. And so that's the one thing I think if you look on paper, position by position and personnel and how these teams match up, I think the advantage goes to Michigan State. Um, but, well, and you could have made that argument about Gonzaga, too. Right, exactly. With, with Texas Tech. That's a good point. Um, so you go down you know, category by category, and I think you give the advantage to Michigan State. Um, but something tells me that I, I think Texas Tech is going to win this game. Like if I, it, I, I think too. it's going to be super close. Like I think it's coming down to one possession. But if you're asking me for my prediction, I think Virginia's going to win easily. And I, just, I have this like, gut feeling that Texas Tech's going to win. I do too, and I I don't know why. I don't know why I feel like I I don't I don't know why I feel like that's where this is gonna go. But I guess just watching Texas Tech the last couple of weeks, watching them really last weekend, what they did against Michigan, what they did against Gonzaga, yeah, I could see them. I could well, see them winning this game. It's it it wouldn't be surprising to me. And and I've kind of come around to the point where I'm like, yeah, they I think they will win this game. You know, it sounds like a cliche, but it's true that defense wins championships. And, and I guess that's why I, I kind of go back to it, because defense travels. You mentioned a moment ago in the last segment, you said in these these big stadiums, sometimes it's hard to hit the outside shot. And that's why I think you you tend to lean away from the teams that are so reliant on the three, like Auburn. And, you know, Auburn just happens to be taking on Virginia. So for, for many reasons, I think Virginia's going to win that game. But you look at this other game, and and defense travels. And the way that they played defensively against Michigan, the way they played defensively against Gonzaga, the way they've played defensively all season, I just I think it's going to be enough. Like, going down the stretch of this game, I think it's going to be close, as do you. It's going to come down to one or two possessions. And, and sometimes it doesn't come down to who can make a play. It comes down to who can make a stop, right? I mean, it, it, they go hand in hand, obviously, but... Who do you feel better about with you know that offense against that defense? Who do you think? And I, I like this defense. I like Texas Tech to get a stop or two when it matters most. And I you know I love I love Jared Culver leading the way. I, I think I think it's going to be a great game, but I, I think Texas Tech is going to squeak it out. Yeah, I'm with you. I trust that team and that defense to do something more than I trust Michigan State to. Um, and I, I don't know that that's right or wrong. I don't, I don't know if I'm making a huge mistake in trusting the unproven Chris Beard led, you know, Texas Tech team over the uh, the 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 team that is is March, right? That there there is no team that that embodies March more than Tom Izzo and they Michigan just State they over just the last win. fifteen years. They just go to Final Fours. They just go to Elite Eights. They just win games and. 
And so it feels weird to just say I trust Texas Tech more than that team. But I think that at the end of the day, if I need a play, that Texas Tech team is going to step up and make a stop. Or that Texas Tech team, with Col- uh, really with Jarrett Culver, is going to step up and make a play more so than I feel confidently that Michigan State will. I'm really interested to see what Texas Tech does with Cassius Winston in this game. And, and we know that Texas Tech likes to switch. And, you know, similar to, to Virginia in that, um, you know, they, they play such great help side defense, right? If, if the initial guy gets beaten, there's always somebody else there and and you need to make a couple extra passes to get an open look. Um, so I, I don't think it's going to be you know one guy trying to slow down Cassius Winston. I think it's going to take a team to do that. I am curious, though, to see how much Jared Culver has to play him or how much they choose to put Culver on Winston because Culver is one of the best defenders in the country and we know that Cassius Winston is one of the best point guards in the country. So I'm curious to see how much they decide to put Culver on Winston. And if he's on him a lot, how does that impact Culver on the other end of the floor? Right. Expending all that energy on defense, chasing him around, does that negatively impact him on the other end? I do think that's going to be one of the storylines of this game. Yeah, because look, we, we've I know we've talked about this in other situations, right? But when your best offensive player is also one of or your best defensive players, uh, that it's not. It's not that it's a bad thing, right? I'm, I'm not saying that it's a bad thing to have Kawhi Leonard, who's a who's an all-world offensive player and also maybe the best defender in basketball, or Paul George, or LeBron James, or, or whoever you want to pick out of you know the NBA. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it does affect them because at some point you can't expend all that energy on both ends of the court for 38 or 40 minutes, uh, and and the same is true in in college. You know, you can't expend all that all that energy for for 38 or 40 minutes when you're the best player on the court on both ends so clearly and you have to go guard the best player on the other side when you're you know putting in a lot of work to get your shots it's not that much different than the conversation we had this year about Tyus Battle having to man the point guard duties right because anytime you add another role another responsibility on what you already have on your plate and for Tyus Battle that was to be the the top offensive threat on this team and for Jared Culver it's it's the same thing but if you add another responsibility, in Culver's case, if you add that defensive responsibility, in Ty's Battle's case, you add the responsibility of trying to beat pressure and you know having to run the point and, and taking it on, it, it, you do run the risk of it negatively impacting the rest of your game. In Ty's Battle's case, you know, it, 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 sometimes it was, it was hard for him to get shots in the nor- normal rhythm of the offense because he was initiating the offense. Now, Syracuse did a better job of that as the season progressed, but early in the season... He had he had a hard time finding good looks for himself because he wasn't used to it. Now I realize it's a little different because we're talking about the other end of the floor, the other end of the floor for for Culver. But, but you're putting something extra on his plate. But right? Does it does it wear him down a little bit? Um, and again, emotions are going to be high, and when emotions are high, generally, um, you know, you do get a little more tired a little more quickly. Um, you know, in those situations, at least I did as a player, like if you're, if you're really keyed up, it does take energy to be keyed up. So, you know, it's the final four emotions are going to be high. If he's expending energy on both ends of the floor, uh, I'm curious to see how that impacts him, you know, on the offensive end. Yeah, uh, it, it'll be that'll be a story to watch as we see who is go- who get who Jarrett Culver's guarding and, and if and how it does and, affect him. And the other part of this is, you know, Winston is is so good at the point 
And he takes care of the basketball so well. His assist-to-turnover ratio is essentially like 2.5 to 1, trending toward 3 to 1, which is great for a point guard, especially a point guard who's, you know, the ball's in his hands at all times. Right. He's a great decision maker. One of the strengths of the Texas Tech defense is forcing turnovers. And so you've got a point guard on the one side that – you know, takes care of the basketball, and you've got a defense on the other side that is used to forcing turnovers and getting out and scoring in transition. Um, so something's got to give there, and and I I, I do think that's going to be the key matchup to this game. It sounds obvious because you know you're talking about Michigan State's best player, but I think that the key is how does Cassius Winston play against that Texas Tech defense. Ultimately, that decides the game, and I think in the Virginia-Auburn game, it comes down to how many threes can Auburn make. Can they get to double-digit makes? If they can get to double-digit makes, it's going to be a game or can be a game. If they're held to you know 8 for 26 from three-point range, Virginia's winning probably yeah, by exactly. double figures. Yeah. Uh, why don't we take time out here? We'll come back. We'll keep it rolling here on Orange Nation after this on ESPN Radio. Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Back on Orange Nation, Seth Goldberg, Stephen Fonte with you up until 2 o'clock. We're going to be ready for this. We're going to get to some sports movie stuff in hour number two with uh, Major League coming out 30 years ago this weekend. Uh, that's remarkable. Um, also, a movie, Steve, that I, I really want to watch that's coming out, uh, I think, in a little more widely today. Have you seen this trailer for this uh, this documentary, Screwball? I have not. Oh, it's fantastic. It is the it is the story of Alex Rodriguez and his drug dealer. Really? And I just, I want to watch it. I really want to watch it. So I, I think I was, uh, I'm up until be now, I, some I was time. not aware that this was happening. Yeah. It was released in some theaters last weekend, and it's been released wider on like video-on-demand services uh, today, I believe. So I'm going to be spending some time and watching that this weekend. But we're going to keep the basketball talk rolling uh, for a little bit longer here. Why don't we hit the phones before we uh, we keep moving here? And we got Scooter in Jamesville online. Hey, Scooter. Hey, guys. Uh, you guys are talking about defense. Sometimes I kind of wonder about inconsistent shooting. The defense gets too much credit, but you know it's interesting. You talked about defense travels, but if you look at the last three or four champions, uh, I would consider them more offensive teams. Villanova's won twice. We're a three-point shooting team. Carolina and Gonzaga met in between, and so I mean teams, the teams that have scored have actually, you know, actually been in the finals, and and I consider them. I think you know the thing. The thing about Texas Tech is I think you could take that same team. And actually make them up tempo. I mean, if you look at that Michigan game when they actually blew them out, they were actually were fast breaking and dunking and shooting threes. And I, you know, I don't. I think they choose the style they choose because of the coach. But I think a, a different coach can take those same athletes and make them, you know, and you know, actually score 75, 80 points a game. I think it's going to be a little higher scoring because I think Michigan State's going to try to fast break. I mean, they had over they had over 15 points on fast breaks against Duke. To I think zero zero for Duke and. You kind of wonder. You think it's the other way around that Duke wants to be, be actually be transition, and Michigan State wanted to be the uh, half court offense. But in that particular game last Sunday, it was the opposite. And I think Michigan State's smart enough if they thought Texas Tech's going to shut you down, they're going to try to beat you down court. And I think, and I think 
tech that allows allows you two could actually could actually uh, run with them. I'm kind of looking forward to that game. And I and from the Gonzaga standpoint, I knew sooner or later that the Kelly and Tilly factor was going to play its role. You know, for a guy who only played five games the whole season, that he's he was the best three point shooter uh, on the team and the best. Uh, he was one of the top uh, 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 blocking shots from last year's team, not this year's team, but last year's team. And he being a six eleven, sooner or later, his lack of three point shooting on the, uh, being on the court was going to hurt him. I think that's what hurt him against Tech. And if you remember, it's only a two point game until Josh Perkins decided, you know, actually knocked the ball out of the guy's uh, hands, uh, actually out of bounds, and turned out to be a, a double tactical plus possession. Of the game so it went from two to six in the last uh, twenty two seconds of the game. So it, it was kind of a weird game to start with. But I, I think I think the Auburn game is going to be interesting. This because Virginia's defense isn't really set. To, to give up the is actually give up the three point shot and take away the drives. Isn't that what the pack line defense is all about? And so it's like the strength of Virginia's defense is the uh, is actually going to be the Achilles heel against the defense against a good threat, actually a good three point shooting team. So if Auburn does get hot, be very interesting to see how that game is going to be uh, played. Yeah, and, and that's a good point, Scooter. You bring up about the pack line defense. I, I will say this though: they, Virginia has several guys that are such good on ball defenders that. So much of of Auburn's ability comes from you know Harper penetrating, kicking out, and 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 doing things off the dribble. And I, you know, yes, um, generally they, you know, the pack line is to prevent penetration and get into the basket. I just think that this particular team is so good defensively and individually. The guys are so good defensively on this roster. I think good looks are going to be hard to come by from Auburn unless they come in transition. I think it's going to be hard to get open looks in the half-court offense against this particular Virginia defense. Yeah, I, I think that we've seen that it is. I, I think that we know it's it's difficult to to get good looks against Virginia. Uh, I don't expect that to be all that different. You know, on on tomorrow night, I, I just don't. I, and, I think and, that Virginia. I think that Virginia really is that good. What would you say it was yesterday? They they average uh, what fifty seven, fifty five points up 57 per game. Fifty seven points per game and scoring about seventy two. So their their average score this year is about seventy two to fifty seven. Nice to win by fifteen. Yeah, right, and, on an average. And night. listen, Auburn's not just going to stop doing what they do. They're going to try to force the issue. They're going to try to put up threes. I just I don't know how many of those are going to be you know uncontested or in the rhythm of, a, of an offense and and good looks at the three. They're going to find ways to get their threes up. That's what they do. Um, but I I just think that. Um, and it's an interesting point Scooter brings up. I, I just think Virginia is that good defensively that, that they're going to be able to slow these guys down. Yep, I, I agree with you. Uh want to get to this that we, we were talking about in the break. Uh, should Tony Bennett go and win this whole thing? Should Virginia go and win this? Which I, I think we both expect to happen at this point. They, they are the best team remaining. I, I think that much is clear. They are the best team left in this tournament. Where do you, where do you throw them? In the in the coaches' rankings for right now, and and does that does that kind of break the break the ceiling and and break the seal and get him into kind of that top five? Uh, to, does it get him into that area? I feel like we have a very clear four, uh, like a very clear four in K Calipari, Izzo, and Roy Williams. I feel like that much is is obvious, uh, and then you can. You can debate a bunch of other guys as as the next. Um, Jim Beheim on that list, Bill Self, John Beeline, Jay Wright. Uh, I think Tony Bennett is already in in the discussion there. Uh, Mark Few. We're probably forgetting somebody, but I, I, I feel think, like I feel like he vaults into that group easy if if they win this thing. Well, I, you, you know, you said that Jay Wright is in the discussion, 
And I realize that he doesn't coach at Duke or North Carolina or Kentucky, but don't you think Jay Wright is solidly in the top five? Probably. I think he is. I, I, I realize so are they, you saying they didn't that nothing. Gr- so are you saying there's nothing that anybody could do right now to get into that group? You're saying that like that, those five coaches are so much better than everybody else that there's nothing you can do to, to jump them? If you're asking, and I realize I asked the question, I brought this up during the you break, did. I re- and I said I don't know the answer. I, I I just kind of offhandedly said to you, if Tony Bennett wins, does he end up? Is he a top five coach in in college basketball? I think Tony Bennett is an amazing coach. However, now that I you know I've kind of scribbled down my list, um, I I don't think from an accomplishment standpoint. You can put him in that top five. I think Jay Wright is solidly in the top five. Certainly Izzo, certainly Cal, certainly Roy Williams, certainly Coach K. Does it have to be accomplishment, though? Like, Do we have to look at this and say, well, this guy won two and this guy only has one? Does it have to be that? So this is what I would say, and this is going to sound like blasphemy to some, but this is what I would say. So if you're talking about right now, this second, if he wins the national championship, is he in the top five college coaches in the country? Can I put him ahead of Roy Williams? No. Uh, yeah, I, I think I, I don't think that's blasphemous. Is is what I I meant to say there? No, that's not blasphemous. Okay, yes, because well, and and we had this we we talked about this a little bit in the break where I said like I would rather have Tony Bennett than than Jim Beheim. Like I I think that like coaching wise, like Tony Bennett's that good a coach, and I so like no, I don't think it's blasphemous to just say hey yeah. Jim Beheim, great coach in his own right. Roy Williams, great coach in his own right. Obviously, both Hall of Famers, but it is fair to say that you would rather have some, you know, t- a Tony Bennett over him. And I, I think that the, I think that some of these coaches might <laughs> might agree in that case, right? Like I, I I know that Jim Beheim has spoken glowingly of Tony Bennett, and and he came to his defense last year following that one sixteen game. Like there there are, I, I think that you can look at certain people and say, hey, you know what? Not every conversation has to be well. This many rings, right? This many championships, this many wins. Like that's not how every conversation has to go. I came across this during the break as we were as we were discussing this. So since 2010, Jay Wright has not had a recruiting class finish inside the top 20 of the national rankings. Yet he has gone on to win a handful of Big East regular season titles, four Big East tournament titles, three Final Four appearances, two national titles, all since 2010. To me, that is a coach that is solidly in the top five. And I think you yeah. know, Coach K is certainly there. Coach Cal, as much as I dislike Calipari, he's certainly in the top five. Um, you know, Izzo and Williams, I think, are in there. But if, you know, Izzo's at the Final Four right now. So if. If Tony Bennett wins it all this year, and given what they did last year, aside from the loss to the to to the top sixteen, you know, to the sixteen overall seed, um, you know, I think he's done enough that he he probably right this second anyway is ahead of is ahead of Williams and Izzo. In my opinion, again, that may sound strange. If you're talking about accomplishments, certainly not. Right, but no, no. Just, if, you're, if you're talking about accomplishments and a resume, the whole conversation is different, and, and Bill Self and Jim Beheim are so clearly in this in this top five. Absolutely. But, you know, it, it, I, I don't know that that's what we're doing right, right if you're now. talking about like if you're doing like a, a national ranking right we you know we do top 20 every every week on you know during the football and basketball seasons on the, the top 25 teams in the country yes. if you were going to do a top 25 national ranking for coaches after the final four and you're asking me is tony bennett in the top five after winning the national title of course he would the be. answer is yes of course he would be
So I just gave well, you both goes, sides of it. And this goes back to a conversation that we had a little bit earlier in the week of how many schools are getting rid of their coach to bring in Tony Bennett. Right, but you like, would, you wouldn't get rid of Bill Self to bring in Tony Bennett. You wouldn't get rid of John Beeline or Buzz Williams or like he would be ahead of them in the rankings. But you're not getting rid of how far ahead of somebody in the rankings do you have to be to be the point where you would say, "Fine, we're going to get rid of our coach that we have now to bring in that guy." Like if it's like ten spots in the rankings, are you good? Like you said, Buzz Williams. Like I'm getting rid of Buzz Williams to bring no, in you're Tony not. Bennett. No, you're not. I, yes, I am. No, you're not. You're not. He's he's your guy. If he's I your would, coach, personally. Well, I I I think that's silly. Um, and it goes back to another conversation we had, another silly comment that, that Tommy made, which you know maybe we'll have to get his thoughts on this later and, and see if he disagrees with us because you know he was harping on that. Well, if they lose to a sixteen again, he should lose his job. We're talking about legitimately one of the top five coaches in the game yes. right now. So I, I'm curious if he... That's why what he said was so ridiculous. So I, we won't even bring up that whole thing that he said about if you lose to a 16 seed again, he should lose his job. I'm curious to see if Tommy disagrees with, or if anyone disagrees with, for that matter, um, Tony Bennett being a top five coach in the country right now. Because if I think he, that's hard to disagree if, with, if isn't If he it? wins the national title, if he wins the national title, I think it, it it's hard to disagree with that. I think it is. I think it's really hard to disagree with. He's a top five coach in the country. Like right now, you could because you could say, well, he doesn't have the national title, and he, you know, he hasn't won quote unquote the big one yet. Um, and you could still put, you know, Kay and and Williams and Coach Cal and Izzo and and Beeline and Jay Wright, and there's you know there might be eight, nine, ten names ahead of him at the moment. But if he wins the national title, he's got a really strong case to be in the top five. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I I think without winning the title, he has a case. Uh, you know, just just look at what he's done at Virginia, and and what was Virginia for the twenty years so who before you, so he? Who, so it, it, tell me right now, like right this second, what my five is? Yeah, if if and we don't know if he won the national title yet. So right this second, the your top five coaches. <sighs> it's not easy, is it? No, it's not a no brainer. Tony no, Bennett no, 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 is not like, a no-brainer no, in the top five right a, now. He's got a case. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it's a no-brainer for him to be in the top five right now. I, I think it's far from that. Um, I think he's I got don't a think case. It's a, I don't think it's a great case right now, though. I think Beeline's ahead of him. I think Jay Wright's ahead it's of him. Fair. Izzo, Calipari, Williams, Kate. That's six that I just named. That I, I think. And are, I think you could probably Bill you Self, could argue that Bill Self Bill, is, a, is know, ahead of him too. So I mean, that's that's seven. So you're talking about at best, Tony Bennett's eighth right now. I can't believe I forgot Jay. I feel bad for forgetting Jay Wright the first time around on this, but K. Cal Wright is O'Roy feels like five. It does. In that order. It does. It feels like. K. Cal Wright is O'Roy sounds like the five in that order. And and, and Beeline and Izzo are kind of like, in my opinion anyway, and I know Izzo has done it for longer. Um, I, I think John Beeline's a heck of a coach. So I, I don't. It's it's not it's not easy. It's not easy to come up with five. No, it's not. Let's see if Wayne and the truck can do it. We'll head to the phones, 315-437-7644. Hey, Wayne, how are you? Hey, not too bad. Hey, two points. You said uh, taking all the achievements out of it, but uh, but Tony Bennett is only in the top five or in consideration if he wins a national championship. So no, I'm, that seems kind of... 
I meant, I meant more so that you're not going to say, oh, well, that coach has 1,000 wins, you have to put him in, or this coach has 800 wins, so you have to put Wait him here. in. That's more of what I'm I mean. And, and Wayne, and, and Wayne it, you know, it would, you would be looking at it, and what's the one knock against Tony Bennett right now is that, well, can he win the big one? And I, I think we kind of all agree that, you know, yeah, he's a great coach, and, and what happened last year to UMBC is, is not because of him. I mean, it was just a fluky game, and, and they've gotten over that. But I, I think there is something to be said in terms of legitimacy if he goes out there and wins the national title we're not talking about past achievements you know i'm talking about this year right. if he goes out and wins this national title i think it eliminates that part of the conversation with tony bennett okay i'm with you there the other thing you brought up was um tony bennett hasn't had what a top 40 recruiting class oh that was jay wright well, i was talking about oh jay wright okay yeah um but i would i would think jay wright's ahead of john calipari because he's had consistently yeah. a top three top five recruiting class and has done less with it. I mean, he's a great recruiter. Don't get me wrong. But if you're just strictly talking coaching, I think Tony Bennett's in it above Calipari. Yeah, yeah, and well, I, would, I would put Jay. I would put Jay right ahead of him too, potentially. I mean, right? I, I think K is the best coach in the country, in my opinion. Coach K is the gold standard. I agree, um, and there's a reason that he led USA basketball for all those years. I think right behind him, I think you could make a strong case that Jay Wright is next. I would also say, and and I, I don't know if you agree with this or not. Uh, the nature of college basketball is that recruiting is a big part of coaching, and so. Uh, you know, if you were to rank coaches and if you were to put a list, like I, I don't think that you could say, well, this guy had higher rated recruits and was better. So, you know, his recruits were so much better and he didn't succeed as much. Like, I feel like those two are so intertwined and, and, and coaching and recruiting at the college ranks are so intertwined that it's hard to just like throw one aside. You're, you're looking at the wrong person if, uh, if you want me to, uh, to back up John Calipari. You know I don't love him. So <laughs> No, but, uh, but you get my point, right? No, like, I know. I like do. You, I can't, do. you can't say, well, Cal is Cal, Cal is on the top of this. He's just a good X's nose coach, not a great one. But, like, he's a great recruiter. But, like, hey, let's just knock him aside. Like, I, I don't think that you could do that. No, but there is something to be said for not always having the most talent, but, yes. but winning the most games sure. or winning the championship. I mean, th- that is a, a feather in Jay Wright's cap. I'm not necessarily taking it away from John Calipari, but the fact that Wright does more with less, so you know, so to speak. Um, I, I think that that's a feather in his cap. Let's do this. Let's take a timeout. We'll come back. We'll get to the phones. Joe, John, we see you on hold. Stay on hold if you're on hold. We'll come back after this on ESPN Radio. Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Wrapping up hour number one here on Orange Nation. Seth Goldberg, Stephen Fonte with you up until 2 o'clock. A little after 1, we'll get to our favorite baseball movies. 30 years ago this weekend, Major League released the original. I think that might top my list, uh, but we will uh, we will check on that in a couple of minutes. Uh, before that, let's get some calls here and wrap up the basketball talk in hour number one. We got Joe in Syracuse on the line. Hey, Joe, how are you? I'm good. How you guys doing? Good, good. Yeah, I just wanted, I, uh, as far as Bennett, I think he is a great coach, but I can't help but think back to a few years ago we are playing him in the Elite Eight, and we're, we're down by 17, and I really felt like his coaching was probably the, the reason that they lost in that game. Syracuse had to put on the press and speed up their uh, their offense and have them take quick shots in order to get back in that game. He never really did make the adjustment. He fell right into Bayheim's trapping philosophy in the second half, hook, line, and sinker, 
And I, I really felt like after the game, it was coaching that won that game. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a good point. Um, it, it they felt also like, missed a ton of easy shots. I was gonna say it felt like everything kind of snowballed in that game. You know, was, it, I think he deserves some of the blame. I think certainly. Um, you know the players deserve some of the blame because they are the ones that got sped up. And, and let's face it, I mean what what Malachi did, and and I mean they need a, Syracuse need a lot to go right to win that game. It was just one of those amazing comebacks. Malachi got hot. Uh, Virginia played into it, um, but I think that's a good point from Joe. I mean, yeah, Tony Bennett deserves some of the blame, which is of why course. I think if he wins the national title. You know, some of his past sins, for lack of a better term, would be forgiven. You would you would look past that or say he grew from that. That was several years ago, and then obviously last year with the loss to UMBC, and it's like, okay, well, this is the natural progression of a young coach, and now he's at the pinnacle. So that's why I say, if the rankings were right now and not taking into he account be, past accomplishments, yeah. if it was right now and he wins the national title, then you know you think differently of him by winning the national title, then maybe you do right at this moment because of some of the things that's happened to him in the past. So I think that's a good point by Joe. Yeah, I, I mean, I you can't you can't tell Tony Bennett's story without mentioning that or the game last year. Uh, you can't. Uh, that being said, I, I I don't think those are while they're marks against him. I don't think it means that they aren't that he isn't a great coach. He's a great coach. There's no doubt about it. Is he a top five coach right now? Again, it's it's hard to put him in that top five, for me anyway, until he wins a national title. And if he wins a national title, then I think we can revisit this conversation. One more call here to wrap up the hour. we got John in Syracuse on the line. Hey, John, what do you have for us? Yeah, you're talking about the best coaches. Uh, I don't think Tony Bennett needs to win a national championship. I think Tony Bennett and uh, John Beeline at Michigan and Mark Few are three of the top six coaches in the country. And all you have to do is look at their, their players. None of them recruit top-notch recruits. They're all second-tier players, other than Kyle Guy at Virginia, who was McDonald's All-American and State Player of the Year in Indiana. Other than that, all those guys just bring in second-tier recruits. And I would put those three along with Krzyzewski, of course. He's got all McDonald's All-Americans. And uh, uh, I, I can't even think of any other... So, Cal- along with that. so Calipari, what, Calipari, Jay Wright. Calipari's a very good. Calipari be out there, but he's got all blue chips too. Yeah. But those three guys don't bring in blue chips. They bring in second tier players like Bayheim does, and he, he and those three guys keep his team in the top ten every year. Bayheim can't do that, and that coaching staff up there, they're not capable of doing that. That's why he's had a great he's had a great career, but it's time for him to lead. And get somebody that's young, that's a dynamic coach and a dynamic recruiter in there. But yeah, I, I mean, look, uh, are they? I, I would think that I, I tend to think, and, and I don't know what you think. I think that Syracuse is still bringing in recruits that are a little higher level, even than than maybe what what that is. And, and again, we talked about this last segment. Recruiting is part of the job, and. Uh, just because you don't get the top recruits in the country doesn't mean you are a bad coach. Uh, but being able to do more with less talent, so to speak, uh, shows that you are a great X's and O's coach, doesn't it? Yeah, and you look at, at what those guys have done, the Jay Wrights, the Mark Fuse, Tony Bennett's, John Beeline, they recruit to their system, and that's what that's what Jim Beheim does. He recruits to his system, and, and exactly. they don't get too caught up in 
um, you know, the the rankings. I mean, they still go after all, you know, the top guys, um, you know, in terms of McDonald's All-Americans. Um, you know, Malachi was a McDonald's All-American. Daywan Coleman was a McDonald's All-American. Rakeem Christmas, Michael Carter-Williams. I mean, those are, you know, a, a four names in, in the last, uh, you know, last several years. They don't recruit the McDonald's All-Americans like Duke and Kentucky, but they still get high-quality players. Um, it, you know, but it is impressive what a guy like Mark Few has done, Jay Wright has done, you know, not being in the top 20 in the, you know, in the national recruiting services with any particular class, but he just goes out and wins and he recruits to his system and he knows what he wants. And, you know, the right. same thing with Bayheim. He knows what he's looking for. They go out, they get the guys that fit their system. Uh, and they've had, you know, obviously a, a great deal of success. So, um, it's it's a fascinating conversation, you know. Beheim, I think, is in the is in the top ten. Um, you know, as we're rattling off these names, Kay and Williams and Coach Cal Here's and Izzo I, and Beeline and Wright and here are the and, and Beheim's in there somewhere. Bill Self, Mark Few, yeah. Go here ahead. are the ten that I wrote down. Uh, I wrote down Kay, Cal, Izzo, Roy Williams, Beeline, Jay Wright, Tony Bennett, Mark Few, Bill Self, Jim Beheim. Those are the ten coaches they wrote down. That jumped 10? off right away. Yeah, I, yeah, he's somewhere in there. I mean, it's. Um, you know, and you can debate where he falls on the list, but you're, you're splitting hairs with a lot of these guys, right? Yeah. I mean, Roy Williams could be, you know, number two or number three, or he could be, you know, number eight or number nine on your list. I mean, that that's how good all these guys are. It just it, it kind of depends on what you, uh, you know, what you place a priority on. We got to take a time out here. We'll come back. We'll uh, re-rack with hour number two. We'll get to major league and some uh, baseball movies after this on Orange Nation. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Back here on Orange Nation, Seth Goldberg, Stephen Fonte with you up until 2 o'clock. Some uh, SU basketball news. Jesse Edwards reportedly committing to the Orange, the 6'11 big man. Set to uh, come up to Syracuse for next season. That, uh, that according to an ESPN report. So, uh, well, Steve and I, I think we'll dive into that a little bit more coming up in today's business. But it seems like that could be a pretty big get. Can't uh, teach size. Yeah, exactly. Can't teach size. Uh, you can. <laughs> you gonna tell me you can teach size? <laughs> no, no. I was. Gonna, what were you gonna disagree uh, on that was, statement with? I was gonna make a snarky comment that I probably shouldn't have made. Shouldn't make. So I'm just gonna. So I'm just going to... All right. I'm just going to hold it. Uh, bite we, your tongue? I am. I'm, 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 I'm curious now what you were going to say. I'm going to bite my tongue on this one. Uh, let's get to... Let's let's move along before I say something stupid. And, uh, and let's get to Major League. Uh, 30 years ago since this movie came out. Uh, this is a fantastic movie. It's it's one of the great baseball movies of all time. It leads it leads to great fantastic sound bites from Bob Euchre like this one. Vaughn, a juvenile delinquent in the offseason in his major league debut. Vaughn into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Um, that might be my favorite character in the movie. I don't know about I don't know about you. Um, I like Serrano. Serrano's good. Uh, you know you don't understand the the Shocking realization it was for me when I noticed that he is the State Farm guy. Oh yeah, he's also the uh, the father in uh, Love and Basketball, one of my favorite basketball movies. I uh, can't claim to you have never saw it. seen it. But some that was it. some but that would was... say some would say that's a chick flick, but I really enjoyed Love and Basketball. But that was a that was a a stunning revelation when I 
when I realized, wow, that's the same person. Yeah. Uh, but yes, Serrano's great. Uh, Charlie Sheen playing Wild Thing Rick Vaughn is, is fantastic. Um, this is up there with the best baseball movies ever. I, I don't think that you can have a conversation of, of baseball movies or sports movies without Major League in it. I think you know we. You told me we were going to do this topic, so I started to to think through my my favorite baseball movies. I think it's at the top of the list. I think it is, and that's not just because it's the thirty year anniversary, and that's why we're talking about it. It's one of those movies that if you come across it while you're kind of flipping through the channels, you stop on whatever yes. scene it is, and you're like, oh wait, this is a good part. Yes. right. I mean, is there is there any part of that movie that you don't stop on and say, <laughs> no. like, yeah? I mean, it it draws in your attention. It's uh, it's funny. It's um I I love it I um it's I, it's very entertaining I have to make a correction coming from Tommy our producer not State Farm Allstate whatever I knew I, I knew what you I meant. made I I I don't I don't know I feel whatever uh, it doesn't State matter. Farm is the Jake from State Farm the guy with khakis yes. he's the, he's Allstate Jake is, from State Farm Allstate right. is Serrano okay yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we, but I knew what you meant but I'm, I'm glad but we got that figured out. I, to your point, there's not a moment in in the first movie and and really in the second movie. Like if the second movie is on TV, also I'm I'm stopping and watching that. Uh, they were just so perfect, and um, not to take like I, I've heard people say like, ah, eh, Bull Durham is like really a rom com that's just kind of set in a baseball. Like no, Major League is a baseball, a baseball movie. movie. Like it yeah. is it is it is about a baseball team and this baseball kind of way of like the the way that. You know this baseball team goes and fighting back against their their owner, who, uh, as you you might know, wanted them to lose. Anyway, listen to the roar of the crowd as the Indians take the field. Yes, sir, they love this club here in Cleveland. <laughs> Just a reminder, fans, about Die Hard Night coming up here at the stadium. Free admission to anyone who was actually alive the last time the Indians won a pennant. Here's to the thrill of defeat, Charlie. Loves that they're so bad. That uh, toasting to the thrill of defeat in the season opener. Um, this is I, I just I love it. Everything about it. Well, wanting them to be bad so she can move the team to Tampa. Uh, you know the the team finding out this plan and kind of rebelling against it. Uh, uh, Rick Vaughn being a penal league uh, all star in in the off season. Everything about it is just pretty perfect. Um, and and to me, it's it's so obviously uh, on. And and I think like like you said, not just because we're talking about it today, it is my favorite baseball movie. It it is it is up there. It it is number one on my baseball number movie one for list. me as well. Uh, what what else is in your top five? All right, so I got a list of like ten. 10 I'm movies curious here. what number two is on your list. I like Bull Durham. You do, okay. Yeah. I like Bull Durham. I'm not a huge Bull I've Durham fan. I've only seen it once, though. I've okay. I um I had it fourth on my list. Okay. I I I like it. Don't love it. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, I uh, t- one that I forgot until just now. Field of Dreams. Okay. Um, I know people have a lot of problems with Field of Dreams. <laughs> people really, for for one reason or another, or another, just really don't like it. But Field of Dreams is on my list. I love it. That's like the first baseball movie that I remember watching when I was a kid. Um, is is I remember being like introduced to like the the sports movie genre or the baseball movie like kind of area with Field of Dreams, and and so that's my that's my favorite. I had uh, so I had Major League One. Um, 
Field of Dreams was fifth for me. Bull Durham was fourth. I had uh, 42, the, the movie about Jackie Robinson. I had that third. Loved that movie. Okay. Uh, and two for me was, uh, I put A League of Their Own second, and I think I've told this to you before, on or off the air, but my favorite scene from a sports movie is in that movie when Tom Hanks is talking to the Gina Davis character, and you know she tries to quit, and, and we could probably even find it very easily, but the heart is what makes it great. I love that line. I use that line like in my everyday life or like when I'm talking to kids. Um, I, I love that line about the heart is what makes it great because it's not it's not just about sports. It it really applies to to anything, you know. And you can't play it without bleeping it because there is a bad word oh, in it. So well, you then know never what? mind. I, I, I'm not going to do that. That just occurred to me. I'm not going to do that then. It just <laughs> occurred gonna, to me. I'm going to so, because I did pull it up. And so I, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I could tell you were hard at work <laughs> then. It just occurred to me that Tom Hanks might use a word that we can't use on the radio. So, And knowing the character in that movie, he probably did. <laughs> um, you know, uh, we got a text that says, uh, number three, The Natural. Number two, Major League. Number one, Sandlot. Uh, Sandlot's good I movie. think Sandlot's a great movie. Sand- Sandlot's one of those movies that you have hadn't seen until very recently, until right? one of, and one of our callers encouraged me to uh, to go Just check it out. It. It, it would be honorable mention for me. Uh, right. The Natural um, and Sandlot would be honorable mention. So I mentioned Field of Dreams. I mentioned that the Natural. I mentioned uh, Bull Durham. Uh, League of Their Own, as you said, is, is right there. Uh, Want to throw a couple more out? Uh, Rookie of the Year, which is about uh, the kid who breaks his arm and then becomes a pitcher for the for the Chicago Cubs. Very realistic. Of course. Oh, my, of course. Uh, Moneyball, which I, I thought was just good. Uh, funny story about Moneyball. My, uh, I think my grandparents went and saw it before I did. And so they came back and they were like, saw this great movie, Moneyball. Uh, and, and then one of them said something like, uh, oh, and it's about the A's and this, this, and this. And the other one's like, Hey, don't spoil it. And I'm like, I know what happens. They lose to the Yankees. Like that, it happened 15 years ago. Like I know what happened. Um, so what? Like that. Um, along those same lines, the rookie uh, about the the high school coach who became the pitcher. Right. Uh, great movie. And Little Big League. And I found out in the break you have not seen Little Big League. I have not. Uh, fantastic movie. Also, like Rookie of the Year. Super realistic. Kid becomes owner of the Minnesota Twins when his grandfather dies. Uh, he fires the manager because he doesn't like him, and then nobody wants to work for a kid, so he just becomes the manager. Very realistic. And then they go to the playoffs. Um, I would not have seen Mr. 3000 if it weren't for you. I didn't even know that movie existed. <laughs> until we watched it about on a, Boston Bristol yeah, like about eight what, months ago. I was going to say, about a year ago. It was last year. Um, I would not have seen that movie if not for you. Certainly not in the top five. <laughs> no, no, that is not that is not a very good that is not a very good movie. Um, the, the, uh, just because we got a text from from Polly Sibilia, our our uh, coworker here, uh, the Naturals in the top five. I me. didn't. I didn't put the Naturals. I, I in the think top the Naturals five. in the top five for me. Uh, I'll go uh, Major League Bull Durham, uh, Field of Dreams, The Natural, and I'll go with uh, Little Big League. My my honorable mention is going to be the rookie. I love that movie. I I have stumbled upon it so many times in the last couple of months. Stumbled upon the rookie and just sit there and watch it. I put uh, I put the natural in my honorable mention. I liked forty two because I you know Bull Durham Field of Dreams they got to be in there. Major League and the League of Their Own were my two favorites. So I feel like my underrated choice was was forty two. So I can only have five. Normally I do six, you know, and I do a tie for fifth. Not <laughs> exactly. in this case. Normally you do the natural. The natural's just on the outside looking in for me. Sorry, Polly. Rookie of the year and the rookie are are those two that are on the outside of the 
outside looking in for me. Uh, they, they're they're great movies. Uh, I thought Forty Two was good. Uh, doesn't doesn't crack my doesn't crack my top five. Um, same with Moneyball. It was good, but it doesn't crack my top five. But can I can I lay out my big pet peeve with Moneyball here for a minute? Do you, do you mind if I just I take a couple for top, couple moments? So there's so much focus on Billy Bean, right? And like there should be because he he kind of sparked a revolution and like hey we should be looking at on base percentage, not just when these guys gets hit get hits. We should be looking at how often they get on base and and uh, look to the margins to to find great pieces. However, the movie just totally ignores the fact that they had three of the best pitchers in baseball on their team, and I and I can't get around that. I can't get around the fact that it just the movie just totally neglected the fact that they had Barry Zito, Tim uh, Tim Hudson, and Mark Mulder on their team, and like that that is such a huge factor in why they were good because those three were all Cy Young Award contenders and they were all really good and they were able to you know keep teams down as the offense went to work and and kind of worked in the margins the way that Billy Bean intended. So yes, Billy Bean deserves a whole lot of credit and Billy Billy Bean deserves all the praise that he's gotten over the last 18 years. Uh but also you whitewashed the biggest part of that team and you just ignored the fact that they had three of the best pitchers in the American League. I've never heard someone get so fired up over the movie Moneyball. It's like this keeps you awake at night. No, you feel, just, Do you feel better now that no, it's off it's just your chest? Why, it's, just why, it's just why it gets knocked down a couple of okay, pegs. Fair enough. It gets knocked down a little bit because I, of that. I appreciate your passion. Like I, like I like some kind of historical accuracy in those based-on-a-true-story movies. Like the Jackie Robinson one seems legit. Yeah, I I love that like the, movie. The have you rookie, seen it? Do you, have yeah. you seen Forty Two? Yeah, yeah, like the rookie. I I've I watched the rookie. I I I you know I I went and I read up on the story. It all it it all checked out right. Like they they did it in a legit way. Uh, Moneyball kind of whitewashed some stuff. And now we have Polly in here. Polly's going to suggest another uh, movie that none of us have. Well, neither no, of us I have ever heard of. I was a baseball movie junkie as a kid. I would watch the VHS tapes till they were unwatchable, and I did that with a natural. <laughs> Tiger Town was about the Tigers with Roy Schneider. Do you remember him from Jaws? Nope. Uh, Never seen Jaws. You never seen Jaws? You shouldn't be allowed to host a radio show. (laughs) There's a lot of stuff he has not seen. Uh, The Boy from Left Field with a guy from Benson and Gary Coleman. Haven't seen it. About the Padres. Uh, That's why you like it. That's the only only reason you like it. I've never heard of Tiger Town. Is that is that Schneider. like is that like our era? I know yeah, you and I are a, like the I, same age. Yeah, it was about that. And the how kid, old were you? The kid he grew up as a Tigers fan, sneaking. Like, into are we the talking game. like early eighties? What are uh, we talking? Mid, early eighties. Yeah, okay. early eighties. He was a kid, and he would sneak into the Tigers, and he grew up to be a t- play on the Tigers. Um, Tommy just texted in uh, the uh, Angels in the outfield. Angels in the outfield. That's a good a call. Good, what's That's the a good one call. The kid has the sick arm and can throw like, rookie of the year. Yeah, that. Rookie that of one, the year. That one gets me every Funky time. Funky butt I, loving. I <laughs> slaps the. I love that movie. The Natural though is just the best for me. I watched it nonstop. Is I'm Major big, League in your top five? I'm a bigger whole, Major yes, League. The whole reason this came up was because of Major League. Two. Thirty okay. years ago this weekend, the Major League, uh, the original Major League, came out. Yeah, baseball movies are the best. They're fantastic. Everybody, movie should have baseball in it at some <laughs> point. Even if, even if it's just on the TV in the background, it's got to be number three for me. It's fair. I mentioned uh, in the break. Are you going to watch the new Sandlot thing no, that they're coming out with? Stop that. Just come up with a creative idea. <laughs> I mentioned that doesn't it, exist. I mentioned in the break Summer Catch. Freddie Prince Jr., Jessica Biel, 
Never, do anything for no. you? No. You, you know seen who? It? You know who really doesn't like that movie? Uh, and you'll find this funny. Dan Duva. Because doesn't like summer. Ca- no, because it's based on the team that he worked with okay. and for on Cape Cod, and he's just like, that's not how things go. Yeah. And so he's very anti that movie. Uh, I don't like uh, the the Tom Hanks girls baseball one. Really? A league of their own. Yeah, not a fan. All right. I love so, that scene. It's my favorite scene. The the heart is what makes it great. I, I try to live by that motto. Don't Pauly. like Field of Dreams either. Bull Durham is awesome. Bull Durham is not a romantic comedy. It's a baseball. Movie. I'm saying that I've I've heard people you're, make you're, that criticism. Those people are idiots. Okay. <laughs> uh, hardball with Keanu Reeves. What about Bad News Bears? That's bad couple, News Bears. Top couple ten texts, for me. Couple texts but, coming in on the text line. Bad News Bears take Japan. I would go. <laughs> I would probably put the three Bad News Bears seven. Eight, seven, nine, eight, and nine. Yeah, in my lineup because <laughs> those are awesome. Tommy says trouble with the curve, which I'm just going to go ahead and say no. I, I haven't seen it, but Never based seen on the that. based on the preview of it, I saw. I'm going to go ahead and say no. Never seen that. Yeah, no. There's too many other good movies. Oh, Can't I, be considering that I one. I forgot how good the Bad News Bears movies <laughs> were in like the late '70s. Have you ever seen those? Yes. I have Bad News Bears Take Japan on, on yeah. DVD. <laughs> so you did not see Major League, obviously, in the theaters. We've established no, that. I saw the second when, one before I saw the first so, one. Uh, how long ago? Because you don't watch a lot of movies. How I was long? like 13. Okay. Walter Matthau in, <laughs> in the Bad News so Bears great. is so good. like So funny. Yeah, I forgot all about those movies. I might have to get those and watch those Sunday when I'm sitting <laughs> around the house. Are those on Netflix? I think so. So Paulie's watching Final Four on Saturday. Now we know what he's doing on Sunday. Exactly. I'm a, I got to go to a wedding set. You don't even get to watch the Final yeah, Four. Yeah. It's... <laughs> Let's take a time out. listening, I mean, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back with more after this on Orange Nation. Our take on the day's top stories. It's today's business on Orange Nation. Seth Goldberg, Stephen Fonte with you on Orange Nation, and now it's time for today's business. We bring in Tommy Hogan, our uh, our producer. Tommy, before we get to you, uh, we got Steve's favorite scene from, uh, we got Steve's oh, favorite scene. you pulled it up? Yeah. And you censored it. I want to go back home to Oregon and make 100 babies. Great. I'm in no position to tell anyone how to live. But sneaking out like this, quitting, you regret it for the rest of your life. Baseball is what gets inside you. It's what lights you up. You can't deny that. It just got too hard. It's supposed to be hard. If it wasn't hard, everyone would do it. The hard is what makes it great. I get goosebumps listening to that. I didn't have to censor it. I could have played that. Well, right before he says that, he uses a bad word. So I, know, I didn't I, know where you were going to pick it I up. I strategically edited. Okay. Well done. Uh, I get goosebumps when I hear that. So maybe it's just me, but I love that scene. We had a couple of caller suggestions during. Well, okay, during what that do you got? Brewster's Millions was yeah, one of them. Richard Pryor was in that. Never yep. saw it. Gene Wilder and Pride of the Yankees. Fan thoughts? Eh. Since both of you guys, uh, I think it's overrated. Yankee fans, that that should have been in your list. Nineteen forty-two that came out, and that's what yeah. I said. I was like eh, a little out of their. Uh, I mean, I've seen range. it. I've okay. seen it. I. Eh. I'm not. I'm not a huge fan. That was before even Steve was born. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Steve didn't see that one in theaters. <laughs> now I missed. The, the end of your guys' top five, because I was taking some calls. Was Sandlot in either of you guys' top five? I don't have it in the top five, no. I'm disgusted. I liked it. Disgusted. I like it. I almost, I'm disgusted. It was honorable mention for me. It's my favorite movie of all time. 
Of all time. All time. It's I, better than Major League. Yeah, I absolutely love Sandlot. Love oh. it. I wear a shirt with a uh, hand porter. I've seen it. Calling a shot a, a lot. I love Sandlot. And I have a, and I have a shirt that has a picture of Joe Boo on it and says it's very bad to steal Joe Boo's rum. That's I'm I'm going with Major League in that discussion. Major League's my two. Okay. Major League's my two. I got Moneyball in there. Forty two is a really good one. And uh, Bad News Bears, I think, would round out my top five. All right. The old, the oldest Bad the, News Bears. Not the Billy Bob Thornton one? You were not bad. Fan? It's not bad. But it's the not, oldest one but is it's, the best. But it's also not very good. Fair. Not to bring up a sore subject, but since we're talking top fives, uh, top five college coaches in basketball right now. <laughs> Did you listen? I, I don't know if you were listening to the show. I was, he doesn't know. I was okay, listening, so, so I don't know. So we're gonna we're gonna leave to we're segment. gonna leave off the the whole question I you asked Tony a week or two ago. Listening. Okay, we're gonna leave that part off. But just like, can you can you dispute that that if he wins this national title and you were gonna put you were gonna rank college coaches right now in the game of basketball at the collegiate level, are you gonna argue that he's in the top five? No, he's in the top five. Okay, but I don't think it. I don't think that goes against what I said. He's okay. made a final. He would make a championship run. That changes a lot. Then, if you lose again in the first round, as a 16 seed. But if he's that close to the top five, if he was in the top, so you would agree that he's in the top ten before this tournament started. He's in your top ten. Okay. Yeah, I sure. guess that's my point. Is okay. that if he's in your top ten, one loss he is not going to make you get rid seat. of him. That one it's loss not, is it's catastrophic. Top ten, like that one loss in would, the game though. That one talking. loss would cost Steve, your job. To be, catastrophic. to be fair, it's not one loss. It's two losses. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> two losses in a row. All right. He's right. I was, I was no, trying. Right. I was giving you an avenue to get out of this. I'm standing by it. All I'm right. honest. I've been shocked right, at the let, heat that it's look, gotten. Because I didn't look, think it was as crazy as it was. Give me your paper for today's business. You can go back at back. He's the one who brought it. No, I did. I did. I didn't bring it up again. Steve brought it up. It's like when the you know your two kids are like antagonizing each other. Other. It's like, it's no, exactly you know. yeah. All right. I, 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 I didn't mean to antagonize you, Tommy. Let, what, go, all right. All right. Let's, let's get back to today's business. We'll stick with college coaches, and there's been some, the coaching carousel is going on right now, a lot of hires. Buzz Williams, he's leaving the ACC, going to Texas A&M. Is that a better job? Because besides the money, I don't know, I, I guess I, I'm not sure. Is that a better job than Virginia Tech, besides the money, which is a big besides, I get that. Yeah. But, no, we talked about this the other day. Uh, yeah, I think I think Texas A&M right now, um, given the money and the resources and the standing of the SEC, I, I would rather be in that job because in the ACC, you know the top three before you do anything else, right? You know the top three of that conference is Duke, Carolina, Virginia. Not necessarily in that order, but you know that's the top three. Once you get past that, it opens up a little bit, and you can always make a run for fourth, but I think in the SEC, you know really the top one. You, you know that Kentucky's the class of that conference. And after that, it's kind of been rotating the last couple of years. Could it be Tennessee on a given year? Yeah, but they're they're probably losing Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield, who are big, you know both uh, multi-year players for them. Could it be Auburn? Sure. Uh, could it be LSU? Yeah, but they might miss their they might lose their coach. You know, so it, I think that that's kind of on a more rotating basis, and it's easier to get to that level in the SEC than it is to get to that level of the ACC. We talked about this the other day that you know generally coaches leave for two reasons: money and a better opportunity to win. And I think that Texas A&M checks both of those boxes. Certainly the money. They're giving them a, a hefty raise. It's the most that Texas A&M has ever paid a college basketball coach uh, in the school's history. And I, I agree with what Seth's saying. We, we talked about that the other day, that you have a better opportunity to win and win big in the SEC, in my opinion, than you do right now in the ACC. Is the ceiling of being second in the SEC really better than the ceiling of being fourth in the ACC? Uh, yeah. 
Uh, because look, look at, I mean, Tennessee got a two seed this year. Um, and Virginia Tech this year, and Virginia Tech had a great year. This is about as good of a Virginia Tech team as we've ever seen. And they were, and they four. got a four seed. Right. Um, so yeah, the ceiling that answers the question. I mean, the ceiling of being the two seed in the it's SEC higher. is higher than if if you're. I mean, that was the that they hit their plateau this year, in my opinion. That Virginia was the Tech, best that Buzz that was Williams the, was going to do at Virginia. Yeah, Tech. I mean, the, how can you? How do you know that though? There's no. You could. They could because they, he's going up against Coach K, Roy Williams, and Tony Bennett. What, we no, saw, no, no, we no, saw no. a Duke team drop out of the top 25 a couple years ago. I think it's possible for them Regardless to Regardless of who else is in the conference, I'm saying this particular Virginia Tech team, this is the best one that he's had. This is, I think you can make the case it's the best one in school history. And we knew coming in they were going to be really good. The way that it was set up, they had so many guys coming back. They had experience. It felt like this was going to be a big year for Virginia Tech, and it was. Justin Robinson got hurt, but for the most part, and they got him back. This was the best team that they've ever had. And or they were it, tipping away from beating Duke in the in the tournament. I understand, but you you asked you said what's what's higher the ceiling as the the number two in the SEC sure. or the four in the ACC? And if you're telling me that's the best you can hope for, which it's not, it, it's not. I mean, you could have a you know Virginia or Carolina could have a down year, and you know maybe Virginia Tech's in the mix to win the title. I'm I, but I'm saying year in and year out, if the if the ceiling is. Or, or the you know the expectation is two is the best you can do in the SEC or four is the best you can do in the ACC. I yeah I think you you put yourself in a better position to win and go deeper in the tournament if you're in the SEC because you would get a higher seed and and theoretically an easier path. I think this year in the SEC they had a, a two two seeds in Tennessee and Kentucky and then a three seed in LSU. This was an up year for for the SEC. Yeah, it's yeah. not usually but this the way was it an is. up year for Virginia Tech. It was and you have to admit that. I mean. It, right, I mean, it was. there are so many good teams in that conference. We're not even talking about Syracuse and Florida State, and and Notre Dame is going to be good, and Louisville. Miami. I mean, there. Well, I don't know. Yeah, you know, but yeah, okay. Miami's typically right fine. there at, as a as That's an fine. eight to ten win team. Notre Dame's been down. I mean, they ravaged by injuries. I mean, th- this was as good of a season as Virginia Tech could hope for, in my opinion. And you know. Tennessee, LSU. I mean, Tennessee, LSU. Somebody's got to be the second best team in that conference behind Kentucky. Why can't it be Texas A and M? Yeah, and that's kind of my point. Like you mentioned, this was an up year for the SEC, and and I'll give you that. Um, but doesn't that also kind of prove the point that you don't really know what it is behind Kentucky? Like you don't really know what that next best is behind that Kentucky program. K- Kentucky's going to be one. Kentucky's going to be the best program in the country. After that, you don't, or in the conference, I should say. After that, you don't really know. Like it could change year to year, and and I think that that's kind of what Buzz Williams is betting on. I find it strange that it's a better job because it's a worse conference. Well, like, that's let me ask strange you. To kind of let me let me say. ask you this. Let me ask you this. Would you rather be, you know, a head coach in football, a football coach going to the SEC, knowing that you know maybe fourth or fifth is the best you can do in the SEC, or, or going to, go the to the ACC, ACC where right. it's Clemson and then wide open, at, at least right now? I mean, I'd Florida rather, State, right. we would assume is going to come back, but I think you feel better about your chances. To, to do things on a national stage if you're in the ACC right now at a good program, at a really good program, than if you're in the SEC in a really good program because of the competition it's that's the same, there. Yeah, it's the same exact thing. I, What's the easier path right now? To be the fourth best team in the SEC, and I realize that I realize the postseasons are different, but you would much prefer to be in the mix in the ACC as a football coach than the fourth or fifth best team in the SEC. The reason why... Comparing the college football to college basketball is a little different is because 
There's only four teams I, I getting to a You're final. You're right. The postseasons are different. I understand that. So if you want to get your team the best prepared to win a national championship, you'd want to play give play the best competition but you can year still, in, year you can out. Still and that's what you're doing you in the You can still ACC. schedule out of conference. You can a couple still go, games, but you're still yeah. you're playing 18 games in the best conference in the country if you're in an ACC school. SEC, yeah, maybe you're going to finish second, but does that get you the most your team the most prepared to go to the farthest in the NCAA tournament? I don't think so. Auburn's prepared. Auburn made it to the Final Four. I mean, really? I mean, and it was what a flu. That's, kind of, that's their first it, ever. That's well, their first final four. I ever. understand, but if they didn't go, Kentucky would have gone. I mean, it was two SEC teams right. playing in the regional final. So uh, the SEC did something right. The SEC got you know the, the, the yeah, ACC I'm, has one team in. So does the SEC. Yeah, I'm with Steve here. Uh, you you want to if you're a coach looking for your higher ceiling, you're going to the conference that's still a power conference that still has good teams, but it's more wide open. The ACC. The top of the ACC isn't open right now because there's such a stranglehold on the top three-ish spots of that conference. You're, you're, you know that at best, and and like you said, this is the best Virginia team, Virginia Tech team they've had in some time. The best they were playing for was fourth this year. Yeah, in the conference though. If but the goal is to get the farthest in the NCAA tournament and playing the best competition year in year out, regular season wise, is what prepares you the best come NCAA tournament time. And I think that is what the ACC would do a, better than the SEC. It's done a lot of good for the ACC getting their one team to the Final Four. Like you know, I I don't disagree with your reasoning, but like the ACC and the SEC have the same number of Final Four teams this year. And again, you can you can schedule however you want. So. If you're in the SEC, and it's not like the SEC is a bad conference, they're just it's not as good as right. the ACC. So fourth best. So know that I and fourth third? of the five, Big Twelve, Big Ten, Big Ten, and ACC are certainly ahead of them. Big Twelve and, and the SEC are, are comparable. Um, I mean, who who out of the Big Twelve do yeah, you love? Fair. I Big mean, Twelve was Kansas, down. Texas, it was Tech. probably third it, this year, but those two go back and forth and being the SEC. Third the I fourth. think was third this year. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah, I agree. But that those two conferences go back and forth, being the fourth best. Of the Power Five, so I, I guess I just stick with my point. I think the ACC, you're playing the best competition year in year out, and that is what prepares you the best. Come to NCAA tournament. Time. There is something to be said for that, but I think there's also something to be said for the easier path. And okay. if you can finish higher in the SEC, you're you're generally going to get a higher seat. Now that didn't happen in the Pac-12 this year, um, but most times in a major conference, in one of the Power Five conferences, if you finish, you know, first, second, or third, you're going to get a, a top a high, three seed, right? Top you're going to get seed. a high seed opposed to finishing, you know, fourth or fifth in the ACC. All right, one of the other jobs still open in college basketball is UCLA. They fired their coach mid-season, early in the season, and it is still open. Sounds like it's going to Jamie Dixon, though, right? Jamie Dixon and Maybe. Mick Cronin are the two finalists. Yeah, apparently Jamie Dixon has an eight million dollar buyout, and they don't really want to pay that. I heard that. Aren't they trying to get it down to one million? Isn't that what I saw? Yeah, but why? Here's here's the question I have, and and you know maybe you can give me an answer. What benefit does TCU get to lower that buyout? Like why why should TCU say sure we'll let you go for less than what we had agreed on? Uh, that is a good question. Um, There's no real benefit to it. Does it open the door for the next hire and the next guy know knowing coming in that? I'm going to work for a reasonable employer that, listen, TCU is not Kansas or North Carolina or Duke. If I get a better opportunity, um, you know, I will be working for an employer. Does I guess my point is, does it allow you a, a more high-profile name to come in to take that job knowing that it could be a stepping stone to something else? 
opposed to maybe you know like with recruits too like you know if a, if a recruit changes his mind because of, for whatever reason and he asks to be let out of his scholarship you know and and then there's you know there's some coaches that say no yeah. you know he can't transfer to this school no, I'm not going to talk mean. to that school and then are you hesitant like future recruits are they hesitant to go there saying well you know they they're not all about the player they're all about themselves and it gives you I, a I don't know reputation it, it, I, yeah, a bit. No, it I could get, be the get, perception for sure. the next coach I get what you mean but I I don't see a benefit to TCU dropping it all the way down to a million dollars for me you know if 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 the report was that UCLA was like hey we'd like that to get cut in half and it's going to go to four rather than yeah. eight like it's I could, strengthening I could, the reputation worth that money worth yeah, the four I, to I, seven million dollars is, is it worth seven million dollars to you I don't know if 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 UCLA was still going to give you four or five or, right, pay, maybe cut it in it, half and it could and it could pay two and a half years of your next coach's salary then it's probably worth it right then or, or three years of your coach's salary then it's probably worth it to go ahead and do that um but I don't see the benefit in TCU saying, no, nah, we'll just take the million dollars. Like, Jamie Dixon, alum, he's he's actually made our basketball program semi-relevant here in the last couple of years. Yeah, let's just let him walk. Like, I, I don't see the benefit to that. Yeah, it's a good question. Are you shocked by Jamie Dixon being a finalist at a program like UCLA? As I said yesterday or whenever we talked about this, um, I'm more shocked that people don't seem to want that UCLA job. Right. If, they, if that's that what job. you mean. I, you know, they, they reached out to some big names, and the big names said no, and, and I think there are reasons for that. I think it's tough to live up to the expectations there. Uh, certainly, it is not the UCLA of old, and, and some people out there, the alumni, and, and maybe university officials are treating it like, you know, you should win like they used to win, or to some degree. Um, much like Notre Dame football, I, I made the analogy the other day that, you know, I think expectations are a little unreasonable for Notre Dame football because it's it's never going to be like it like it used to be for Notre Dame, right? Um, and it's and never going to temper be, those expectations. And it's never going to be what it was for UCLA, and and you know it's it's never going to be John Wooden again. You so know, you have to temper those temper the expectations for the coaches. So it does surprise me that they've kind of you know crossed names off the list, and now they've got. I think Jamie Dixon's a great coach, sure. Um, but, but is, he, is he a top was, 15 coach? Probably well, and, not. And Steve, to go from what was reported to Jamie Dixon is, right. is going a long way. You know, it was it was reported that they were going to reach out to Tony Bennett. It was reported that they My offered God. John Calipari a contract for six years at, at $8 million a year. And you know what? Um, I think that there's something to be said for UCLA not necessarily pumping uh, resources into that program. Uh, I think there is. Uh, you know, look, look back at historically what their coaches have been paid. They haven't paid coaches... You know, a lot. They haven't paid coaches, you know, well. They offered Calipari a contract, and it was for a lower annual average value than what he was getting paid at Kentucky. With with players that aren't as good. I mean, right. he's he's got, you know, the, the, well, and, the and, cupboard is stocked at Kentucky. Be, and let's be fair here. He would have brought the players yeah, exactly. to Kentucky. The same way the same way that John Wall and Marcus Cousins were going to go to Memphis until he went to Kentucky. Fair. You know, he, he would have brought some players with him. Over, how does, over how does he always get the players, I wonder? I, I think people just really like him. Yeah, yeah. okay. I think people people just really like him. He's got nice hair. Uh, yeah, okay. exactly. He's, he uses a lot of hair products. One, he's, he's one very last impressive. thing to mention. Jesse Edwards, you mentioned this to start one of uh, the last segment, I believe. He has committed to Syracuse, a 2019 recruit, so he's going to be on next year's team. 6'11", 205-pound center. Some, uh, a position of need for the Orange next season. As I said to Seth, can't teach height. I think he was going to disagree yeah, with that statement. Gonna, but, uh, no, there's something else. Do you think you can else teach height, Seth? No, you All can't. Right, good. All right, thank you. Uh, he has a potential to start on next year at as center next year, right? I think he does. I think he has a, a potential to, given what we know this position is. Yeah. I mean, it, listen, they're, they're replacing at least three starters, if if not a, a fourth, 
um, depending on what happens with O'Shea Brissett. Um, yeah, I mean, the, this lineup is very much in flux. I, I think they've got a lot of options right now. Um, not necessarily at the center position, but I think there are a lot of different combinations we could see. But um, yeah, you want to start with, uh, maybe they'll actually win a, uh, an opening tip next year. Wouldn't that be nice? Could you, you believe? Mean, you mean they're not going to need a fo- uh, a small forward to go take the tip? Could you I, believe be the nice. tallest player in the history of Syracuse didn't take the tip? I always found that like a, like shocking because it's hilarious. Like, yeah, yes. it didn't make, but uh, that, that yeah that yes exactly. a little bit of a joke here. But center by committee next year, you Basically. get ten minutes out of each center. Try to get. I don't 10 think it's a joke. Minutes. I mean, I, you know, no, we, I think you're right. I think that you're hoping for like fifteen to twenty out of Merrick, and then see what you can get out of the other guys. Yeah, I mean that's kind of what the situation was this year, right? That's I mean, exactly it was kind of, ride, yeah. ride the hot hand. They kind of figured it out towards the end of the year, but for the most part, it was let's see who gives you some production. Today's business brought to you by Grossman St. Amore CPAs. Remain focused with today's business on helping clients prosper by providing comprehensive accounting, auditing, tax planning, and tax preparation services. Visit gsacpas.com. Uh, that's going to basically do it for us today. Uh, we're, we're just about out of time. If you missed parts of the show, we'll throw up our podcast as normal at ESPNSyracuse.com and on the ESPN Syracuse iTunes and Google play feed. Uh, Steve and I will be back at it Monday. Steve, you have a lacrosse show tomorrow morning, correct? That's right, 9 to 10 o'clock. We'll be talking about a big win over Hobart and and getting ready for, believe it or not, the regular season home finale against Cornell on Tuesday. Did you see the helmets they're wearing? I was going to say, some sweet helmets. Unbelievable helmets. Some sweet helmets. Uh, So Steve and Rick will be here tomorrow morning talking about that. Uh, Steve and I back at it uh, Monday at noon on ESPN Radio.